Silver Screams, the Horror Nights podcast that invites you beyond the screen and behind the screams of some of your favorite nightmares with your host, Donald Holly. Let the screaming begin. Welcome back to Silver Screams, everybody. Uh, again, my name is Donald. Uh, I'm going to be your host for this episode. I'm just rocking this one solo. Uh, this episode is being recorded on the eve of Halloween Horror Nights. That's right, Halloween Horror Nights has arrived. It is upon us, and I couldn't be more excited. Um, we have... Right now, I'm sitting in uh, a room at the... Cabana Bay Beach Resort, looking out over Krakatau from Volcano Bay, glowing a sinister red, so it is definitely setting the mood for Halloween Very excited to be back at Universal for this experience. I got to go to the event last year during its uh, Halloween Horror Nights light or specialty Halloween event or whatever you want to call it. And don't get me wrong, it was a great experience to have those haunted houses there for people to explore and get to see. It really was a nice little taste of what, we're going, what we get to experience uh, at Halloween Horror Nights, even though we couldn't have the full event. But during the, it's something about it being during the day and the park itself not really being Horror Nights um, besides the Scarecrows, which were really cool. It just did, had, a, it had a very, very odd vibe. So getting to go to Horror Nights this year, I think, is going to just scratch that itch. It's been over 670 days since the last true Halloween Horror Nights uh, for uh, regular guests. Now, of course, they just had a team member preview the other night, and I unfortunately couldn't really resist watching some spoilers. And from what I've seen, the event is back in a big way, and I am so excited to uh, talk about it. Uh, Tonight's episode is just about my hype list. I'm going to talk about what I'm excited for and sort of just give one last fun episode before we get into the actual season itself. Uh, I'm sure we'll have lots of episodes reviewing the houses, talking about the scare zones, all that stuff. But for tonight, it's about what I'm excited for to finally see in person at this event. Start off the countdown sort of from bottom to the top now what i will give sort of a disclaimer here is that yes there's a bottom but it's really not a bottom (laughs) everything this year looks great i'm so excited for every single house Um, you might find the bottoms to be kind of predictable in the sense that um well there's some of the houses that i've already seen um so it's not exactly that they're bad or that I'm not looking forward to them. It's that I've seen them before. I know what to expect from them. And then everything else I've ranked in order of my anticipation. So let's start with the bottom, where we have Tooth Fairy, Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. This was an amazing house last year during HHN Light. It has gorgeous sets, some fantastic atmosphere, delightful music, uh, including a, a very uh, noticeable song from Doctor Who. 
uh, and the episode itself feels like it could have been ripped out of Doctor Who in a sense. Like, it, you know, obviously it's a little more gory and more bloody, but the Tooth Fairies, in the way that they are, they do feel almost like Doctor Who villains. So uh, it was nice to, to catch that reference. And it was just a really, really... Like, I love, like, old, you know, Victorian manners and sort of, like, that gothic feel, and that house just nailed it. And the Tooth Fairies were genuinely frightening. The designs were really creepy and really scary, and we were able to see them pretty well because of the way that, you know, the houses were being structured with the plexiglass and with uh, the more staggered, you know, people, you know, staggered uh, going through so it wasn't quite a conga line, it still was just delightful to get a chance to look at all these creatures and all these, the, the stuff that's, you know, like the props and everything. Some really cool stuff. I'm really looking forward to see if they've added anything specific to it. I've heard that there's, you know, some subtle changes, uh, but I'm really, really glad to be uh, able to step back into that house uh, and uh, tell James Westhorn what a little bitch he is. And to just give up the tooth and none of this would have happened. Um, <laughs> no, uh, very excited for Tooth Fairy and to see it come back. The next house uh, would be Bride of Frankenstein Lives. Uh, again, this is not listed low down on the list because I'm not looking forward to it. I am very much looking forward to getting to go back into this house because I love the Universal monsters. And I love that Universal has been bringing them back recently in a way that is both modern, but also very reverent to the original stories that were told. Obviously, the basic design of Frankenstein and Dracula and all those characters aren't seen as scary anymore. They're just kind of iconic, classic Halloween and classic horror. Uh, so you have, to do, you have to update some of it to make it a little bit more scary, which is fine, and Universal is very good at that. But I love getting to step into that castle with the music from... Bride of Frankenstein playing because it takes me back to when I first saw Bride of Frankenstein as a child and realized that I loved spooky things. Uh, it was, I grew up, I, as growing up as a child, I was very odd because I loved watching things that scared me, but I also didn't like being scared. Uh, you know, so I was, it was a very fine line. I'd like try to, I'd dip my toe in the water with scary stuff and I'd step back out, dip my toe back in, step back out. And it was always uh, truly a delightful experience when I found something that was scary that I could also really enjoy. And the Universal Monster movies were that. So stepping into that world, even though it's been slightly modernized, the monster's a little scarier looking, the creature doesn't look the same. Uh, bride actually looks... The Bride looks pretty, pretty spot on. Um, but, you know, it, it's, really, it's really, really cool. Uh, the sets are phenomenal in that house. They were straight up some of the best sets I've seen Horror Nights build. And really excited to see if they've changed anything or added anything to, to really spruce that house up since last year. Uh, I know that house is a favorite of many of my friends. So again, it's not low on the list because I'm not looking forward to it. There is no low on this list. There is no bottom. There is no, you know, oh man, that's, you know, I can't, I'm going to have to do that one begrudgingly. Which, in the past, that has been the case. But this year, that doesn't exist. 
Moving on up, the next one is The Haunting of Hill House. This one is pretty low on the list just because I have not finished watching the entire series, so I'm not 100% familiar with the source material. I know the basics. Uh, I know the characters. I know what to expect from the ghosts. Uh, but I'm very eager to see this house because I love a good haunted house, haunted house. If you take, you know, putting, you know, a lot of haunted houses these days tend to stray away from the classic old, ha old spooky house filled with ghosts. And they, you know, doing all kinds of new stories and everything like that. And, and don't get me wrong, I love all the new, exciting, innovative things that the people that make haunted houses are doing these days. But every now and again, you want to just walk through a spooky old house and get yelled at by some ghosts. And that's what I think uh, will be really exciting about Haunting of Hill House. Obviously, I don't know quite what to expect from story-wise. I've seen about three episodes of the show, so I know basic characters, I know, and I know the basic setup of some of the characters. I also know one of the spoiler twists that I'm sure will play into the house. But I, you know, my, I just haven't gotten around to finishing the show because it's just such a weird watch. I like it, but it, it, I have to be in the right mindset to watch it, and I'm not often in that mindset, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I put on episodes, watch the whole episode, and then put on the next episode, and suddenly my mind is wandering and I'm elsewhere. So uh, maybe by the end of the, the year, I'll have finished it, and I'll, I'll know exactly what's going on with every character and every scene. Uh, so... But the sets look gorgeous. They've posted a, you know, the, the facade, uh, the interior facade on the Universal blog when they announced the house, and it is just looks phenomenal. So, and again, I love an old haunted house filled with ghosts. And I've wanted to see one at Horror Nights for a long time, because I actually haven't really gotten to see one in that you know, classic sense. But because... Uh, I think the closest that I've come was in 25 when I went through Monsters and Mayhem and they had the um, Wayne Dot estate section of that house. That was probably as close as I've gotten. Obviously, there's been things that kind of came close, like Body Collectors, Recollections, which is, well, they weren't ghosts. It was a very spooky house kind of setting uh, and felt very forbidden and very, you know, ominous. Uh, and then last year's Graveyard, well, last year's 2019's Graveyard Games, while it wasn't inside of a house, was ghosts and was very, very good. So, truly excited to see what they bring to this house because it is such a unique uh, take on the, the haunted house genre. And uh, hopefully it uh, makes me want to watch the rest of the show. Moving on up, the next one is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love the movie. I have, I have, the movie is, I think, a brilliant film. Because it's one, of those, it's one of those horror films that people remember differently than what it is. People remember that film being a gory, gory, bloody, messy film. And it really isn't. Uh, a lot of it is left up to your imagination. It, it, it does imply a lot. But a lot of the actual visceral violence is not exactly seen directly on camera. And I think that that is one of its strengths. It's kind of like the jaws of of slasher films in that sense where, you know, they, the less they show you, the scarier it is. And it, it is truly a striking film that stuck, sticks in your memory. Um, I don't think we would be where we are in, 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 you know, slasher culture without it, and certainly we wouldn't have as many remakes and sequels as we do. 
the first uh, R-rated horror movie that I ever saw in theaters was the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was, again, when I was a kid, I was kind of afraid of a lot of things, and my parents definitely took that, took notice of that, and certainly stopped me from watching lots of things that I probably, you know, would have enjoyed watching. But as a child or a young adult, or young, a young child and teenager, maybe I shouldn't have been watching. But uh, eventually, when I was in high school, I started kind of hanging out at the local movie theater because all my friends worked there, and I would see a lot of horror movies. But that was the first one, our first R-rated horror movie that I went and saw in theaters was the remake. Which also, it has, that also has an oddly special place in my heart, even though I know a lot, I know a lot of true Texas Chainsaw fans don't particularly like that film. Uh, I, I find it to be a... It's different, but I think it's a really fun movie as well. So with this particular house, I'm excited because they obviously had Texas Chainsaw in 2016. I've heard that this is not the same house, it's a different house, so that's exciting. Because, you know, it's always exciting when they take something that, we've, that they've done before and twist it or turn it on its head and do something new. And with Texas Chainsaw, I'm just excited to go back into that world because that is one of the few houses that I've been through that I can remember viscerally being terrified. I would have to say that of all the slashers that exist, so like Freddy, Jason, Leatherface, Michael Myers, Leatherface scares me the most in the sense that he is a man with a chainsaw, a big man with a chainsaw, and he just wants to cut your face off and you know, chop, up your, chop off your body parts. Wow, that's scary. Like, Freddy Krueger, I'm not afraid of a man coming into my dreams. I know that's not realistic. Jason Voorhees, I know that a zombie child, a, zo- you know, a zombie you know, kid who's drowned coming back to life, that's not happening. Uh, so, like, you know, and Michael Myers is more feasible, so Michael Myers is up there with that, and the Halloween houses have definitely shown that they can make that scary, but Leatherface is, he, he, he genuinely frightens me, and so being surrounded by big dudes dressed as Leatherface with chainsaws revving up in your ears is scary, and the 2016 house scared me. <laughs> There's a couple of scares in that house that uh, I got really good every single time I went through, there was this one scare that I remember, and I don't remember what the setup was exactly, but it, you walk into a room, and Leatherface would come out either on your left or on your right. And I think there were two scare actors in the room. Um, and, you know, the, the timing of the scare would be depending on which one you'd see. Well, I guess I, I caught it at the right time where I was uh, walking through as one was resetting and the other one was coming out, and they both decided to come for me. And so I had two Leatherfaces, you know, <laughs> which isn't really supposed to happen, but just nailing me, and I, I, I screamed. I will admit, I screamed. So that's great. <laughs> so really excited to see what they do with the new take on it. I've heard that some characters that I'm very fond of from the franchise are going to be making an appearance, and that it is, you know, again, a wildly new take on it. It's in a soundstage, so it gets to be, I think, a bit bigger and a bit louder and more brash than it was in the tent. One thing that I remember from the tent house, though, that I hope they replicate in this house, is the scent when you walk into that house. Um, that house smelled like the Halloween haunted houses that I'm used to. I've, you know, I think I've talked about it a little bit here, but I used to work at um, a, a haunted house event or haunted, a Halloween event in New England called Spooky World Presents Nightmare New England. And that house smelled 
like the haunted houses that I used to work in. Just something about whatever combination of scents that they chose, the plywood, all that mixture of it. It just smelled like the down and dirty haunted houses that I'm used to. And it, it triggered a lot of sense memories because I, I was just like, this is, this is like going home. And then, of course, Leatherface came out of the wall with a chainsaw and scared the hell out of me. So, yeah, I guess it was a good, it was a good way to get my, get my guard down a little bit, I guess. So I kind of hope that they recreate that uh, same sort of smell and vibe and, and uh, bring you into that house, which is just full of horrifying things to look at and make them yeah, fun again. So really looking forward to Texas Chainsaw. I, you know, it's, it's a house that I think a lot of people are probably going to be putting lower on their list because they've already done it or they're not, they don't like Texas Chainsaw. And I hope that people give it a chance because I'm pretty sure it's going to be one of the, uh, maybe a sleeper hit of this year. And then going up, the next one is uh, Puppet Theater. The Puppet Theater House, that one's interesting. I love the idea. I love the concept. And, you know, that, that's this old vaudevillian type theater where these people have been trapped for years and they've gone insane, so now they're turning themselves into human puppets and they want you to be their puppets. And that sounds really good. But something about it for a while, when they first like, sort of talked about it and released a video about it uh, last year, didn't really click with me. And then as we get closer and closer to the event, I start thinking about it and go, this is going to be probably really scary, really, really intense and really, really scary. And one thing I will say that amped up my enthusiasm for it is actually a spoiler from Team Member Preview. Somebody posted a video of the facade lit up at night. And let me tell you, that is probably one of the coolest facades for an outdoor tent house that I have seen. It is just gorgeous. It looks like a real building. Um, and I can't wait to step inside and see how that location, the, the, the atmosphere of a, of a, of a broken down, run down theater, you know, being destroyed, filled with these actors who have lost their minds. That's going to be something I think that's really, really going to be fun. I think it has the potential to be one of the, one of the scariest originals in a long time. Just because it's such a weird, it's such a concept that is just like, it's not supernatural, it's not magic or mysticism, it's these people have just been trapped in this scenario so long that they've just lost every ounce of their mind and are now one with the theater and one with the performance, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. Not much more to say on that one particularly, because again, as I said, it didn't catch my attention initially, but I think it will uh, be one of my favorites. I think it's going to be really cool. Moving on to the next one is Beetlejuice. This is another house that I actually got to do because I did actually get to go out uh, on Halloween and see Beetlejuice. I got to go through it twice and that was spectacular. The reason it's higher on the list than the other two houses that I've been through is because I am super excited to see this in person again because Beetlejuice is one of my all-time favorite films. I mentioned already that my parents didn't let me watch a lot of scary things as a kid, but for some reason, they let me watch Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice was a staple of mine when I was a child. I could not tell you why, and it blows my mind, because there were so many things that I wasn't allowed to read, listen to, watch. 
you know, for a while my parents didn't let me listen to Harry Potter, like read Harry Potter or watch the movies, you know, because of witchcraft, things like that. But Beetlejuice was A-OK. And my parents had it taped off of, uh, I think they had it taped off of Disney Channel or something like that. So it had, uh, or, you know, or something like that. So it had omitted the, uh, the, the foul language that, you know, shows up here and there. But it's still not really a kid-friendly movie. It's not meant, it's not aimed at kids. I think the main reason that they let me watch it is because I was watching the animated series at the time. Because I'm going to date myself here, but I was, I was a kid when that was on TV. And I loved that show. That show was delightful. And because, my, because I watched that show, my parents said, okay, we'll let them watch the movie. And then that movie just became a comfort film. I'd pop it in all the time. We had to, they taped it for me. I want, like off of TV. I watched it. I wore that tape out. They had to tape it again. And eventually they just bought me a VHS copy of the movie. Um, so I love Beetlejuice. It is, it is one of my favorite films of all time. And getting to step into that world was very exciting. And I think will be even more exciting now that they get to sort of breathe more life into it. I've, I've heard there really aren't any changes from what it was last year, and that's fine. What I've heard is I, I, I just hope that they have more scare actors in there because I, they had so many places where I'm like, that, that's a scare actor, that's a scare actor. But because they were casting it on such a short notice because they had to open it in a weekend and COVID, clearly you know they couldn't have everybody... Uh, in every spot. So I really hope that it is, it's more well cast because the cast that were there that day were definitely crushing it. It was fantastic to watch walk to that house. I remember when they announced Beetlejuice as a house, uh, or not announced because uh, this was back in 2020, when it was first said that Beetlejuice was pretty much confirmed to be a house for Horror Nights, I immediately went, I cannot wait to walk through the long hallway that Barbara and Adam have to go down to get to their door and see all the ghosts and see the, the lost souls room and all that stuff. And that's, you know, getting to walk through that was truly special to me. Uh, it's not often that a Horror Nights house is special in that way because it's, it means something to me because of, you know, a film that I'm very, very fond of. But Beetlejuice has been there as, as, a, as a film for me my whole life and I can always pop it on and make me smile even when I'm having a rough time so getting to step into the world of Beetlejuice and see Beetlejuice see Lydia see Barbara and Adam and see all the characters you know I even I was so chuffed to see uh, Otho in the house like it just and I don't want to get into too many spoilers because I know that a lot, a lot of people got to see it last year so I'm not going to talk about different scenes and whatnot although one of the one of the big scenes in the house made me gasp because I thought of how cool how cool it was to step into that scene but very excited to go back into Beetlejuice and see it in its full glory because I love that world I love that story and even though he's a weirdo creep I love that Bioexorcist. So Beetlejuice is my next one. And then moving on, this is the, now we're getting into the top four. So now we have uh, Case Files. Case Files, Unearthed, Legendary Truth. I'm not going to lie, this might, I have a feeling this might be my favorite by the end of the year, uh, just because I love Legendary Truth. I've you know, followed them since 2010. 
now again, I, I didn't start attending the event until 2014, but when they were doing their stuff for the 20th anniversary, I started following them online and was like, this is really cool. This is like fun. I love uh, alternate reality games. Uh, I played the Dark Knight one uh, when the, that movie came out. I got to go and you know, do a scavenger hunt in a public park in Boston to find Joker cards and get to see the trailer early. I did the Tron uh, Legacy one, which I, so I have like pins and tokens and this huge poster board that they sent me um, of one of the games that we played and got to see the trailer early. So the Horror Nights during an ARG was 100% my jam. I was like, yep, sign me up, let's do this. And uh, it was fantastic to see Horror Nights step into that world. And the websites had already kind of been their own ARGs kind of. Uh, because those back in the day, those websites were very detailed at telling the story of the event. And in that particular case, they were very detailed. <laughs> um, so, very excited to kind of get to go back into the Legendary Truth world. Again, I didn't get to go through the Legendary Truth house in 2010. I did get to see the scene from it in 25 years, but I don't think that really focused on the Legendary Truth aspect. That was more of the Haunted House aspect. So getting to step into a Legendary Truth House is going to be awesome. But not only getting to step into a Legendary Truth House, but to get into step into the world of Boris Schuster, who is so well-renowned amongst horror fans, uh, Horror Nights fans, uh, Horror Nights fans, I should say. That's just, that's going to be amazing. And from the description that they've posted where it's him sort of delving into some of the strangest mysteries uh, in his case files, you know, and, and involving locations from the park, like example, like, you know, they're going to, like the description says that they're going to have the Kitty Cat Club, which is in, you know, the New York streets. That's so cool. Like, that's such a great idea to, to work in, you know, existing lore and mythology from the history of Horror Nights, the park itself, characters that the fans know and love. And I think that that's, it's a really bold step for them because it's not, it, it feels, it feels exciting and kind of like a breath of fresh air for Horror Nights. Horror Nights for so many years now has been focused heavily on, on the IPs and using those to get people to come because they are a very powerful tool to get new people to come to the event. And this year we still have that. We still have Haunting of Hill House and Texas Chainsaw and Beetlejuice, which are all three titles that you know people will know. And I'm sure Beetlejuice and, and Hill House will get people who have never been before to come. But this year, it, it feels almost like they decided to go whole hog on the original concepts because of the anniversary. And that's really exciting for me because obviously the original content is always so thrilling to, to see and to get to experience. I won't say that I like it better than IPs because that's not always true. Uh, I've had a couple of years where the IPs have come out on top. But seeing what the creatives at Horror Nights do with the original concepts is always exciting. And this is a piece of Horror Nights lore and legend that is so renowned and so loved that I can't imagine they didn't treat it with the most, uh, the utmost respect and with um, an attention to detail. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a really, really great house to uh, experience. So I'm excited to step into the world of Boris Schuster and see... Uh, what strange cases he might have unearthed. And uh, boy, will I shriek and scream if we get a glimpse at Mary Agana one last time. Then for the top, th we're getting into the top three now, uh, Wicked Growth, Realm of the Pumpkin. 
I love anything that is classic Halloween with pumpkins. It is just a, it is the easiest way to make me just love anything you're doing with Halloween stuff. So with that said, I, I'm, I'm just super excited to go through this house. Uh, I've heard some really good things from team member preview. Uh, no spoilers actually, but just some, that it was, that it was fantastic and lived up to my, ex, you know, the expectations that they had and would most likely live up to mine. Like I said, I just love anything to do with that sort of traditional Halloween like atmosphere and pumpkins. And it this almost feels like they took Twisted Tradition and made it into a house. Twisted Tradition was a scare zone in 2018 that I was just obsessed with. Love that house. I even wrote a short story that was heavily inspired by that house because of how much I liked and that house of the scare zone. Sorry. Uh, it's been a long day, and I'm finally starting to wind down here at Cabana Bay. But I will say, you know, that... The scare zone, Twisted Tradition, like I said, it, it, it was so, it dug its way into my mind. And not in a way that not a lot of scare zones ever really do. Because there was a clear story that was going on there. Because they had, you know, the area sort of in front of Mel's where you'd see the teenagers who had disturbed the grounds of this church and awoken these ancient spirits. And they were panicking and freaking out because they were all going to die and then you find the spirits who have taken over the forest and, you know, unleashed, you know, pumpkin creatures, deranged trick-or-treaters, and just all this classic traditional Halloween stuff that it just hit the spot. And like I said, I, I remember I wrote a short story that was, it was inspired by a couple of other things as well. But in that particular case, I made sure that I wanted to, uh, you know, I was like, I want to spend a good chunk of this tale uh, paying homage to that scare zone. And while I don't think this house is going to be a, you know, a sequel to that zone in, in, in a direct way, it feels like it's taking the lineage from that and bringing it into something much bigger and much more grand. And I'm very excited to walk through that experience. The Pumpkin Lord, which is a character they did actually have on some shirts last year, uh, looks really, really scary, and you know, and again, jack o' lanterns are just one of those things that just make me feel good. You know, classic Halloween stuff. I can think of the going back to the the, the haunt that I used to work at. One year we did this. They it was the last year I got to work for them. They did this really kind of big and bold experiment where they tried to they tied all the houses together, similar to Halloween Horror Nights. Um, and in one case, they literally had you exit one house and you would be entered right into the queue for the next house. And the queue was decorated with hundreds of jack-o'-lanterns that they, that they hid in actual like trees in the forest because you exited out the back of a house with this massive facade into a house that was actually built into it. It was like a walking trail. It wasn't actually inside. And it was truly an immersive experience, but getting to walk through that woods at night with those jack-o'-lanterns lit up, it just, it truly made you realize that you were in this crazy Halloween environment. And I think that will get captured again for me in Wicked Growth, that I'll get to experience that one more time. And 
I'll tell you what, nothing makes me happier than good old-fashioned Halloween. Moving on to Scary. Oh, uh, the uh, Welcome to Scary, Horror in the Heartlands. That is a house that I've been dying to see since it was first rumored. Um, originally, it was rumored as a legendary truth house, uh, and then it became just kind of scary Ohio. And the fact that it's sort of an anthology house to bring back some of the classics of Horror Nights mythology and lore that take place in Cary, Ohio, is really, really cool. One of the things I, I like that they've done this year is instead of just doing one big anniversary house and, uh, and then like throwback houses, like sequels to other houses and classic stuff, is that they've kind of spread out the homages, spread out the the anniversary style stuff. So you have icons, which we'll get to because that's, that's number one. But you have, so you have icons, you have scary, you have a legendary truth. And those are three things that are all part of like the history of Horror Nights. And they could have just all shoved that into one house and made another anniversary house similar to Monsters and Mayhem from 25. Uh, or like the Hallowed Past from 2010. But this year, it seems like they're, they're taking a different route, and they're, they're like putting these, place, these things all over the park. And even in the scare zones, like two of the scare zones, from what I've seen, are like throwbacks to you know, popular scare zones of the past, and then one of them is a throwback to an entire event. So you know, it's, it's not all in one location. It's not all in one place to be like, here's the anniversary stuff, and then we're going to move on. It is, it's taking the anniversary and spreading the wealth throughout the entire park. And I think that's really cool. I think that's what I'm excited most about Scary, is that it gets, to, it gets to focus on very specific things. It gets to focus on the houses, you know, the houses, not the houses, the, uh, the stories from Cary, Ohio. And, you know, if you are a new listener and you're not quite sure what, what that means, Cary, Ohio is a town that exists. It's a real town. Uh, that one of the uh, creatives that has worked on Horror Nights is from. And one year they just decided to set a house there and it's just sort of clicked on and became sort of their version of like Castle Rock, like Stephen King's Castle Rock. So they set scare zones, houses, backstories, all of them you know, there. So, and it, it's constantly coming back. And... I remember in 2018, I got to sit down, I got to go to a, a, a sort of a, a question and answer session with some of the creatives, and I asked them, you know, is there anything in the Horror Nights lore that's like Cary, Ohio, that you wish had taken off like Cary, Ohio? And you could tell that even though they had some really interesting answers to that question, their pride in what they've created with Cary, Ohio, you know, amongst the lore and as amongst the, and for the fans of the event was was through the roof. They just love that people like the event and are excited to go to the event because of the lore, legends, and the stories that take place in Cary, Ohio. And I think that that's fantastic. And seeing some of, like, and some of my favorite houses have had stuff that's either connected to Cary, Ohio, or take place in Cary, Ohio. I think one of my one of my favorite underrated houses, I think is Hive from 2017. That house was, I think, was, was just the right vibe. It actually, I think, set the t I think it, it sort of pre preemptively set the tone 
for the next two years because the vibe that Hive had, that very 80s sort of, you know, synthy horror became the model for the entire event for two years. And it's set in Cary, Ohio. And it, you know, it, I think that's really exciting that Cary, Ohio is this central focal point. Um, and I can't wait to see what the house does with not only the, the, you know, the throwback stuff, the stuff that we get to see again, you know, coming back from previous years, but, you know, seeing what, how it expands on the legend of Cary, Ohio, and if it gives us any more information as to why this town is so damn haunted. <laughs> uh, finally, for houses, the, the last of my, my hype list is icons. Uh, icons captured. I won't mince words. I love the Horror Nights icons. They are what got me into Halloween Horror Nights in the first place. I told my story about how in uh, 2007 I saw videos of Jack and it got me into my haunted house work that I did back home. It got me into the Horror Nights lore, and that's true. But every year since then, I've followed and seen the icons that they've created. And I obviously went back and researched the characters that came before. So I learned about caretaker and director and storyteller, you know, as well as Jack being the ringleader of the Carnival of Carnage. I also went back and learned about Jack's first year and Jack coming back in 2001. And then I think uh, Bloody Mary was really cool to watch, except that I didn't really, I've never found that myth, that particular myth very scary. So I was just kind of, I was like, okay, that's cool. But when they did the Usher in 2009, I was like, there it is. That's the icon. That's the kind of icon I'm looking for. And so I would say the Usher is probably my first true icon that I became a fan of because he was new and exciting. Uh, Jack's my favorite. Jack will always be my favorite because he, he's what introduced me to the event. And I love, I like creepy clowns and carnivals anyways. That's one of my favorite horror aesthetics. But Jack, as a character hits that Freddy Krueger vibe that I really love. I, Freddy Krueger's my favorite slasher, so Jack, and Jack's my favorite icon. It doesn't, it, it really is, isn't hard to see the connection there. But uh, Usher comes in a close second. Uh, and then Lady Luck, is, I thought was really cool. Um, that year, particular year, I wasn't paying a lot of heavy attention to the event because I was busy with some really cool stuff at my event. That year we did a, it was our, it was our 20th anniversary that year, and we got to do a huge event at Fenway Park in Boston, and I got asked to, to work the event. I was, I was asked to help hire uh, some of the actors for the event, and then I ended up being a manager for a couple of nights because they had uh, not expected to open as early as they did because uh, they thought the Red Sox were going to do better in the playoffs that year, and they didn't. So we opened three days early, and that, they didn't have a manager for one of the attractions for three days. And so they said... I was putting on my makeup, and they said, Donald, please take off your makeup. And I'm thinking, oh, they're going to put me in a house, and I get to, you know, which is fine, because I was, I, was, I was playing what they call Midway, so I was going to be doing some, you know, sort of my own take on what, what would be considered iconic characters. Um, and I thought they were going to put me in a house, so I'd have to wear whatever makeup they told me, which, again, you know, it's, I, I sounded disappointed at the time, but I was like, okay, that's fine. That you, that's just part of the job. You do what you're told. And they were like, no, actually, we need you to have makeup because we want you to be a manager. So I ended up being a manager for one of the haunts that year, and it was just one of the most rewarding experiences. 
and th again, it, oddly enough, I connect that to the icons. I wouldn't have been in that position if I hadn't found Jack the Clown and learned about Halloween Horror Nights because I wouldn't have I would never have auditioned for a haunted house. Wouldn't have something. Wouldn't have been something to occur to me. So, uh, I didn't get to pay much attention to Lady Luck, but I thought she was a cool character. And then, of course, after Lady Luck, new there hasn't been a new icon since Lady Luck. Chance was the closest thing to a new icon that we've gotten, but she'd existed before they made her an icon. But it was exciting to see her become an icon because it was like, we get another icon, we get, you know, because I think I, along with probably a lot of other people, thought when they brought back Jack in 25, it's like, okay, they're going to bring him back and then we won't see icons again until, like, the 30th. And sure enough, you know, the next year they brought back Chance and I was like, oh my god, that's fantastic. And then, of course, we went, you know, three years without anything specifically iconic like that, but... So Icons is my number one because I cannot wait to step back into the world of Icons. The Scare Zone from 2015 was one of my favorite experiences at Horror Nights, just walking through there and seeing all of those faces, the you know, storyteller, caretaker, usher, director. It was just, it was like stepping into a museum of the things I had not gotten to see in person, finally getting to experience them. And this is, I get to experience more here because, you know, you get to experience Lady Luck, you get to experience fear, uh, you know, all this stuff, things that I'd, I'd never quite gotten to experience in 2015 and experience them in a house because so far the only icons that I've experienced in a house would be Jack, the caretaker, uh, who are both in, you know, 25 years, and Chance. Um, Storyteller wasn't had a cameo in a portrait in 25 years, but never got, I've never seen her, her in a house. I've never seen Usher in a house. I've never seen Lady Luck or any of those characters in an environment where they're going to get to truly try to scare me, and I cannot wait. And the idea that they are all in the same place and that they are all fighting for dominance in this world of icons, it's, it kind of fits the headcanon <laughs> a little bit where you can imagine them bickering and fighting over who's the best. And that's... I, getting to see these characters will mean a lot because they're special to me. And, and they're special to a lot of Horror Nights fans. And so I'm sure a lot of Horror Nights fans are in the exact same position I am where that is going to be the house that does it for them. And, and I think... I, 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 I think now, going into the event, that's going to be my favorite house of the year. And I don't think that there's much that will change that. But we'll see, because, like I said, every single house on this list is something I'm looking forward to. And from what I've heard from Team Member Preview, there isn't a bad one in the batch. They're all, they're all, they all slap, you know, they're all bangers, as it were. And it's going to be an amazing return to the event. And I think that's what the event needs. We have a lot of comfort food because it's the first time we're coming back to Horror Nights in a very long time. So we've got a lot. Of, we've got we've got the icons, which are things you know people have wanted the icons to come back for a long time. We've got Scary Ohio with Carrie and its lore. We've got Boris Schuster, uh, and we've got the monster, the Universal Monsters, who have always kind of been a part of the event in one way, shape, or form or another. And hell, even Chucky gets to come back on the merchandise and the little photo op thing. So <laughs> you know. This year is all about the history, but also I think I think it's also going to be sort of about welcoming people back into the the park, 
coming, you know, welcome back to Horror Nights. We're so glad that, you know, we missed you. We're glad you're here. Now we're going to scare, we're going to scare the absolute hell out of you. Uh, and when it comes to the scare zones, again, there really isn't a bottom one. I, there is, uh, but, um, it would be, uh, Crypt TV. Now that's not because I don't like Crypt TV or anything like that, or I think it's going to be bad. I, it's just, you know, it, when you have a list of five things, one of them's going to be at the bottom. I think a lot of the Crypt TV shorts are really, really exciting visually, and I think that's something you need to have in a scare zone. You need to have monsters that look cool. And the, the Crypt TV uh, monsters truly do look cool. Uh, the Look-See, the Birch, uh, the, uh, the, Mor the Mordeo, they're all characters that are iconic. You know, once you see them, you, you, they're recognizable and memorable. So bringing them into a scare zone is, is, a, is I think, a no-brainer. It was kind of rumored that that was going to be Shudder, a Shudder-based scare zone, and I think that Crypt TV, even though on paper it seems a little bit more strange than even Shudder, I think Crypt TV will be a better fit. Because these characters will be... They may not be... Some people may not recognize what they're from or who they are, but they might go, wow, that's a really fascinating character. And if they go and watch the Crypt TV shorts, they can find out who, you know, you know well, that, oh, that's the look-see. I'll watch those shorts. Or that's the birch. I'll watch those ones, and I think that's really cool. I'm excited. Uh, I don't like its location. I think that's my only downside with it is that you know, with any of that, any of the uh, the scare zones in that San Francisco spot, it's tight and narrow, and they have a lot of props that are jutting out into the walkway, and on a busy night, that's not going to be fun. But the scare zone itself looks lots of fun, and I'm really excited to see what they do with the material from Script TV. Uh, then it would be uh, Lights, Cameras, Haction. This is a scare zone that I think is really cool because it's a throwback to 2009, which is my favorite sort of history, you know, year from, from past history that I didn't get to go to. Um, but also it gets to bring back Eddie. You know, it's Eddie's revenge. And Eddie hasn't really had his time to shine at the event truly. Uh, he's been a part of the run houses here and there, uh, and he was featured in 25. But of course, every time he's meant to have his big moment in the sun, it kind of gets, you know, knocked out. So getting, having, giving him his own scare zone and giving him the chance to run amok with his, with these other characters from other classic scare zones is really cool. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing all of the, the familiar faces from years past including some from, you know, the years that I've gotten to attend, because it does look like there's quite a few characters that will be making a return from the, the last um, six or so years, which is exciting. Then, uh, after that, it would be uh, 30 years, 30 fears. Uh, I will admit my, I tempered my expectations on this one after Team Member Preview, because I was hoping that there would be icons in this scare zone, uh, and it appears that there possibly aren't. But that's okay. They don't need to be in the scare zone. I think, and I think that is gonna that might upset some people. I don't need the icons in a scare zone necessarily because I did get to see them in a scare zone in two thousand five, uh, two thousand fifteen, excuse me. And uh, in this particular case, I think that they will be a really good. It'll be a really good welcome to the park because it's gonna have familiar, you know, scare zone characters similar to Lights, Cameras, Actions, but they're gonna be more focused on like the actual like classic Halloween Horror Nights feel. And with that big neon sign that welcomes you in, that's sort of reminiscent of the old stages that they used to have in the past, I think at night, with the fog going and the lights and the fire, it's going to be a really cool 
uh, set piece to walk through. Uh, that's, that scare zone is always kind of interesting because it, it, to me it's always been kind of a, a stepping stone. I've got to get through here to get to the houses. Um, but I think that this, this year will be a really cool, that'll be a cool place to spend some time in. Uh, and then Seek and Destroy is next. Seek and Destroy, I, I kind of wanted to put this number one, but it's, uh, I love a good sci-fi horror concept, and this sounds like it's one of the, it sounds super really, uh, it sounded from the original concept that they've talked about, like a very uh, deeply kind of disturbing sci-fi horror film. Uh, and then that kind of got confirmed when I got to see pictures and videos from the Scare Zone. And it just feels like a horror version of, like, THX-1138. Like, they, 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 these faceless, you know, automaton, you know, kind of style characters coming at you to kill you uh, or to sacrifice you for the greater good for this all-knowing controller. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Not much to say on it because, again, I don't know what to expect other than what I've seen, and I think it's going to be fantastic. My number one for Scare Zones is Gorewood Forest because, again, it's a throwback to an era that I didn't get to see in person but have been fascinated with ever since I read up on it because the story of Terra Cruentis is one of the most unique things I think I've seen a horror, a horror event ever do. It, there's nothing... There, no, I don't think no event has ever attempted anything similar um, where it was just one, you know, cohesive story that is not traditional, like, horror. It's not, you know, this cohesive story that's like a, you know, a standard Halloween story. This is a fantasy horror story set in a completely, like, fictional fantasy world that was very heavily, like, you could tell it was heavily inspired by Lord of the Rings and, and like, that kind of stuff. So very, like, goblins and orcs and... And, and, you know, ghouls and all these kind of strange creatures. I'm all for it. And bringing back the Terra Queen, who I thought was a very interesting character, is, I think, a top-notch way to, again, tie everything together, have another thing that is going to be a anniversary celebration. So, having said that... I, that's that's my hype list for this year um, for both uh, houses and scare zones. And I could probably go deeper in, like, what's my hype list for food? What's my hype list for drinks? Uh, it's the poison tea party and the ghoul juice, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I think what's going to be really great is getting to explore the event um, with friends uh, uh, and with, you know, people that really love it. And, I mean, and, and, and fun fact... There might be a few nights that I break the rules that they have set with the advertisement and I go alone. But still, I think this event is going to be one of the best Halloween Horror Nights that has ever existed, even with the limitations. Like, obviously, people, some people are upset that they're bringing back uh, separations between the scare actors and the, the crowds. Uh, in a lot of cases, they're using vinyl, which is, I think, probably a little bit, a little bit more int less intrusive, but still, like... If it's what gets us Horror Nights, I'm all for it. I would literally, if they walked up to me and said, Sir, to go in this haunted house, we need to slather your hands and your face in hand sanitizer, including getting it in your eyeballs. It has to burn. We need to hear you scream. Then you can go in the haunted house. I'd be like, 
lather that shit in my ball. Uh, lather, my, lather that shit. Like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Like, let's get that in my eyes. Let's get it on my hands. Do you want me to eat it? I'll eat it. If it gets me horror nights, I'll do what it takes. So having to wear a mask inside a building or having to, you know, deal with the scare actors maybe not being as directly in my face as they have been in the past, by all means, let's do that. Um, I it truly can't wait to step back into Horror Nights and, and just feel the change of mood in the park. I think that's one of my favorite things about Horror Nights is that it's a completely different feel to Universal Studios during the day. And the switch is always exciting. It's always fun. And always ex- it's, it's great. So if you are out at Halloween Horror Nights this weekend, for opening weekend, tomorrow night, Saturday night, and you know, you know who I am and you see me, please say hello. I'm so excited to, to meet people, to talk to people, to get to hang out with people. Uh, I will be, uh, for personal reasons, <laughs> I will be in a scooter this year uh, for this weekend. I don't, I don't think I'll be in it for longer than this weekend, but I have had some, in the last couple of years, some serious health issues. Uh, not that I'm, I, I certainly will take responsibility for them. They're mostly my fault. But one of them has awakened the fact that I actually have pretty bad arthritis and uh, been doing well for a long, long time. And then the last month, it's just been killing me. Um, when I try to do th- do things that are more excruciating than like walk around my apartment, <laughs> um, so a theme park standing in a theme park all day is rough. So I-, I learned that lesson when I went to the annual Passholder preview of the Tribute Store. I was in a huge amount of pain that day, and so I'll, I decided that day that I was going to look into what it would cost to rent a scooter for the weekend, and so I, I did and. I think it's going to be uh, a unique way to experience the event, so I'll probably do a, a podcast about that. But I'm also, it's you know, initially I thought, I, you know, what are people going to think, especially my friends, people that know me, you know. For so long, I've dealt with these problems without resorting to something like that. And then I realized, I want to have fun. Horror Nights is my thing. It is the thing I look forward to the most every year. And if I don't get to experience it, or I don't get to have fun experiencing it, if it's painful and miserable to do, then why do it? And so I said, it's opening weekend. I'm not going to miss opening weekend. I have a hotel room booked. I'm going to, it's a whole thing. I'm going to splurge and spend the money and I'm going to get a scooter. So if you see me scooting around, please hop over and say hello. I'd be happy to say hi back. Uh, if you want to go through a house, that's also super cool. Um, I don't have express though. So if you have express, I'm sorry. Uh, you'll have to, I'll, I'll have to wave at you. Will you get to be better than me? So that pretty much wraps up this episode of Silver Screams. A lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, But thank you for listening. I hope you have a great Halloween season. I hope you get to go to Halloween Horror Nights and experience all this stuff for yourselves. And if if you're in the position that I was for many years where I didn't get to come to the event, I hope you get to come someday and see what it, how truly awesome it is. Again, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you out in the fog, and happy Halloween, everybody.